Kind of open your, your Bibles and we're going to go to one verse tonight as our starting verse. I'll refer to others and you can listen to them as we consider something about our Savior tonight. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Luke chapter 2, verse 21 says, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. A question was asked in a very famous play, what is in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. It's from Romeo and Juliet. And Juliet is trying to um, make Romeo's name sound as good as hers. Because her family was more important than his, although both were rich. And what that really says is that the name of a thing does not matter as much as the quality of the thing. Julie's line, when she's telling Rome that the name is nothing but a name, and is hence convention with no meaning behind it. That's obviously not true. Names are important. And we attach a lot to names. We take names and they are significant to us depending on the context in which we uh, apply them. If that was not true, we would not have so many brand name knockoffs as we have because why names are important. It doesn't matter whether I'm wearing a fake Gucci or a real Gucci. Well, I can afford the real Gucci. The name says it all. Uh, Adidas, Nike, CK, whatever they are. These names are significant, and when you have one of those names attached to your body, whether it's a shoe, a dress, a shirt, or a perfume, you kind of feel like you've arrived, and you carry that with a plume. Even when names are fake, and imitation names mean something. Every up-and-coming, every upwardly mobile teenager wants to be seen at Starbucks. They sell the worst coffee in the world. They really sell the worst coffee in the world. Uh, their coffee is the same. It's, uh, it's got no character. It's got no flavor. It's just brown and often hot. I'd rather go to somebody like a special lab who does something that's soft and subtle and has, has pichant flavors. <laughs> Coffee's not coffee. Sorry. Let me get off my high horse. But being in Starbucks is to be seen, not anywhere else. The name is everything. And it's a statement about myself. It says, I am upwardly mobile. I am in, in the fashion. I live in a higher fashionable strata. The same applies to people. People's names are important. And we attach importance to those names even if they do not. However, titles and names say everything about a person. How they are perceived by others and how they conduct themselves. The Markles are doing everything in their power to retain the title of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Not only does it have an auspicious ring about it, but it confers acceptance and importance. It opened doors of, of opportunity that would otherwise remain shut. However, their supporters amongst the Hoi Polloi prefer to call them by their common everyday names, Harry and Meghan, because it conveys a sense of familiarity of ordinariness, of being one of us. At the other end of the spectrum, they, that's 
Harry and Meghan are sometimes referred to in a way that indicates a sense of disrespect, perhaps even disdain. You all who knew I was referring to when I said the Markles, right? That name of choice by myself indicates who I think is the most important, significant role player in that marriage. Um, Harry is known as Mr. Markle in some circles. <laughs> Names do matter. Juliet is wrong about Romeo. A name is an important and significant thing. And so we read about Jesus Christ. When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. A name is a very important thing. Jesus, or rather Yeshua, was quite common in first century Galilee. This is not an unusual name. The name Jesus wasn't an unusual name at the time when Jesus was born. Archaeologists have unearthed about 71 tombs belonging to a Yeshua of some family or another. And that's all from the period of Jesus' death. The name Yeshua, which we translate into Jesus, also appears numerous times in the Old Testament in one form or another. It was just an ordinary Jewish name, about as common in Judea as John is to us today. So how did it come to have such significance? Why does the mention of that name draw an immediate, often antagonistic response? The name is instantly recognized. Mention the name of Jesus and you get a response. Because Jesus is the name of a person of singular significance. It is the name of a person astronomically greater than any duke or prince or king or potentate. He is much greater than any human dignitary. And this is clearly spelled out by Isaiah when he says this about the one we know as Jesus. For unto us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The baby born in Bethlehem, even though given an ordinary name, a common name, was no ordinary person. Isaiah saw the magnitude of the person that one day would be known as Jesus of Nazareth. His counsel was indeed wonderful. In fact, Isaiah says again about him in a later chapter, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This one, born as a babe in Bethlehem to humble normal working class, class parents in a town that is considered to be the backward backside of Judea, this one is indeed the wonderful counselor. And all the wisdom of the world, including that of Solomon's and every other wise man you could name, doesn't come close to the wonderful counselor, the wonderful counselor from this wonderful person. On the first Christmas night, the shepherds found a baby who's frail and vulnerable body, wrapped in swaddling cloths, concealed his inherent divine power. He's indeed the mighty God. Hebrews says this, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he 
whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus Christ is the mighty God. All things were made by him and through him, and in him all things hold together. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. This baby was born to die. We cannot look at Christmas and not look ahead and see Easter. We have to keep those two in line. They both form the same focal point as we look down time. Christmas is about the birth of a baby. Easter is about the death of that baby once grown. This baby was born to die. Those chubby hands would one day be pierced by nails. Those perfectly formed little feet would one day be impaled to a cross. In fact, very soon, an insane puppet king would seek to slaughter him with thousands of other little Jewish boys. And he, this baby Jesus, needed to be protected. And his parents did that by fleeing to Egypt. So that he was protected from the anger and jealousy and rage of a mad king. But in due time, the roles would be reversed. And the vulnerable babe who become the timeless protector. The swaddled babe who become the eternal provider. He is indeed the eternal father, the everlasting father. That doesn't speak so much about his, etern- his eternality, but about the fact that as father and protector and preserver of his children, Israel, and of his own, it will be that forever. He will never relinquish his role of supreme and only protector of his people. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This baby is born in the period known as the Pax Romana. The term Pax Romana literally means Roman peace and refers to the time period from 27 BC to 180 AD. The Roman Empire during this time saw unprecedented peace and economic prosperity everywhere. It was, a, it, was a, it was a unique time on the face of the earth among civilized societies, the Pax Romana. It was in the middle of this time that Jesus is born. But it was peace that was maintained by force and by the sword. To break the peace meant death. To go against the Roman authority and disturb the placid lives of people around you meant death. The peace was there, but it was a force, imposed, mandated peace. Now that word's taken on so much new meaning today. Peace was mandated. You break the peace, they break your neck. But this princely child will bring true peace. In John chapter 14, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. These are comforting words in times which we find ourselves. But his name, this name that is given to Jesus, that beautiful name, Isaiah says he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, <clears throat> everlasting father, prince of peace. Shakespeare was very wrong. Names have meaning. 
And Isaiah Texas names the coming son that are uniquely significant of him. They belong to Jesus alone. But what about his name, Jesus? What about the name that was given to him as he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, in a stable? Jewish mothers named their sons Yeshua in an expression of the hope of the coming Messiah who would save his people. Every mother died, dreamed of being the birthing mother of the Messiah. Every uh, father uh, dreamed that his daughter would be the chosen one. The birth of this baby in Bethlehem would turn hope into reality. And the promised Savior had finally arrived. The one who was expected and prophesied about and from the entire nation was waiting had finally arrived. And there was nobody to welcome him. It was a supernatural announcement by the angel of this very fact that the Messiah had arrived, that Jesus would be born, that stopped Joseph in his tracks. Joseph, son of David, says Matthew, the angel says to him, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall name he, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name that before this had only signified the expectation of a Savior, was now going to be given to the Savior himself. And all the hopes and aspirations of Israel came to fruition. Forty days later, the same baby is taken to the temple. Uh, at the time when his parents, his mother was going to do a dedication, and they come and they meet up with an old man, Simeon. And Simeon says this about this baby, Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 28. He took the baby up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The only reason that a group of Gentiles like this can claim Christ as their Savior is because the hope of Israel had come and he had fulfilled all that he had been sent to do. And when Jesus came, all the promises made about him to that point came true. The Jewish form of Jesus may have been a common name in Israel before the Savior's birth, but now it says everything about salvation provided by God. Listen to Peter's defense before the Sanhedrin about the same one who we know as Jesus. He says... This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the boulders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. How do we encourage ourselves at this point? Well, I'd say to you, fellow brother and sister, and all of uh, the lords who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, I say to you, take courage by those words, these titles, these names from Isaiah. The one who we serve, the one who we are worshipping this evening and singing about his song is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But there are some amongst tonight who are not saved, who do not know him as a wonderful counselor, who cannot claim him as uh, the everlasting father, who don't know him as prince of peace. To you we say that one day this baby will also be a judge. 
And whereas now we think about him as the one who brings salvation, he's also the one who will bring condemnation if we reject him as the Savior, the only Savior of the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The name is significant. The name has meaning. The name carries power. And that name is the only name that you can claim as a ticket to heaven. One day we all appear before God. Some of us without Jesus Christ as Savior. And we'll face God as a judge. But every one of us who gets into glory, who gets to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and see our Savior on the throne, who gets to reign with Him, have got there, have been, have been welcomed into glory and into heaven, into eternity, because we have named the name of Jesus as our Savior. I close with this words from a song, There is no name so sweet on earth, no name so sweet in heaven, the name before his wondrous birth to Christ, the Savior given. We love to sing of Christ our King and hail him, blessed Jesus. For there is no word you have ever heard so dear, so sweet as Jesus. Father, we thank you for this one who has come into the world as a babe, a perfect, sinless, spotless child, who lived a sinless, perfect, spotless life, who died as a perfect sacrifice on Calvary's cross, being made sin for us so that we become the children of God. We thank you for him. We glorify him and praise you tonight for him. In Jesus' name, amen.